Hello and welcome to the world according to Germany. Good news first. Jerome the Rat is back. Now, for those of you who don't know Jerome, he's a friend of mine, a house rat. Unfortunately, not everyone in our house was happy with Jerome, so our landlady sent a hired killer who installed 20 different devices around the house with the poison traps and all of this. Unfortunately, I couldn't disarm all of them in time, and uh, Jerome disappeared. I thought he was gone, but apparently he developed immunity to the rat poison. So he came back and ate our kitchen brush. I left a little bit of goat's cheese for him in our secret place, because I think it tastes much better than the plastic brush made in China. If you want, I can send you his photo. He's cute, like a young Joe Biden cute, kind of. Anyway, let's go to our topic. A couple of weeks ago, I published a podcast called A Diet Drama. It went reasonably well. I got few replies, few moderately insulting comments, and one question, a very good question, by the way. Is there any good diet for the mind? So, here goes my two cents. But first, a disclaimer. I'm not a qualified doctor or psychologist. My recommendations are just that, recommendations. It's the sum of something I learned from people who are way more intelligent than I am and the result of my disorganized brain digestive process. Also, you are not going to like my answer, but that's okay. You know, not everyone has to agree with uh, things I say. Uh, yesterday, I had a conversation with one gypsy lady who I see every day begging outside the dart. She was complaining that uh, nobody has cash anymore. And once I saw this lady being collected from the station by the brand new BMW. So I said, my dear, why don't you invest in a card reader? Surely you can afford it. Now, I personally think it's a great idea, but, uh, but she didn't. She, she told me to get lost. Well, very uncivilized people, my uh, gypsy brothers and sisters are. So... The mind diet. I am a simple person, so I will simplify everything as much as I can. So let's go through the basics. If you believe the scientists, the first human being appeared on, uh, on our planet two million years ago. His body was designed by the best engineer in the world, Mother Nature. It has a very complex life support system, which includes hundreds of diagnostic, self-healing and self-regulating processes running in the background. And practically none of those processes require a conscious input. You see, even from the beginning, our mind was not trusted with anything important. So those processes switch on and off regardless of our intentions. This system is very old, which means it's reliable, or it would be reliable if it wasn't for the uncontrollable development of one of its functions, which is called the mind. So, how does it work? Our sensory system sends information to the brain for processing. It can trigger a response or can be saved as a memory. Our brain has different areas responsible for different functions, but for the purpose of this conversation, let's simplify it as much as we can. Our brain is divided by two hemispheres. 
The right one is associated with emotions, creativity, and intuition. It loves pictures of little kittens and cute house rats. My right hemisphere loves Jerome the rat. My left hemisphere says that Jerome is a health hazard and has to be treated accordingly. Because it is associated with logic and analytical thinking, basically it's a cold calculating machine, a computer. It doesn't care about Jerome. It doesn't love. It prefers puzzles and crosswords. So originally those two hemispheres were supposed to work together in harmony. But at some point, our society made a choice between the spiritual and technological development, and you all know what happened. We started to create tools, machines, science, economy. And the Industrial Revolution in Europe and America resulted in the explosion of data which needed to be produced and processed. So our left hemisphere started to require more and more processing power. Our rational and logic abilities started to develop rapidly. And now our lives are mostly ruled by rational thinking. We stopped listening to our intuition and put our trust in logic and reason. You might say, and what's wrong with that? Well, there are few monumental problems in this scenario. Our two hemispheres work in completely different ways. Let's look at it from the mechanical point of view. Uh, do you know the difference between the analog and digital signal? Our right hemisphere basically is an analog system which interprets data as a continuous stream of information. It's a well-established and tested way which is natural and native to every living organism on the planet. The right half of our brain works with intuition and creativity, which are flexible and have no physical limits. The processor in our left hemisphere is based on logic. Therefore, it is limited. A computer processes data in a digital format. It works by following instructions provided by the mathematical algorithms. It cannot create anything new. It produces results by computing data, which was fed into the memory. And the results are only as good as data itself. Digital systems are limited by the quantity and quality of data. And also they are limited by physical storage, processor speed, the, you know, all the physical factors. So our mind is limited by design. I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just say that now, in the year 2023, we receive and process thousand times more information than our grand-grand-grandparents did a few hundred years ago. Our modern education is based on data instead of creativity. So we receive hundreds of gigabytes from the social media, TV, radio, news, gossip 24-7. Our right hemisphere is somewhat flexible, so it's kind of coping. Now, the problem is that our left hemisphere, the mind, originally was not designed to process this amount of information because its functions were secondary. It was supposed to work as part of a team. It developed massively over the years, but it is still a first-generation Intel, which runs Windows 98 operating system. It cannot keep up. It can't cope. What happens if you force gigabytes of data through the single-core CPU? 
it will struggle for a while and then it will crash, corrupting the operating system and possibly damaging the hardware. So the first problem is that we simply don't have necessary hardware and software to deal with the data overload. So quantity is the first problem. The other problem is uh, the data quality. The information we receive is mostly produced by ourselves. Most of it was modified in order to manipulate our actions and responses. It's speculative and contradictory. Very often it doesn't represent the factual reality. In other words, most of it is corrupted. So what happens to the computer which is fed corrupted data? It creates logical conflicts. The operating system freezes and eventually stops functioning. That's exactly what happens with our mind, which function is based on logic. And as I mentioned before, we put our complete trust in logic and reason and abandoned our intuition. We backed the wrong horse and look at the results. Our mind is our curse. Its functions are chaotic, unpredictable, uncontrollable, and as a result, we have a bouquet of mental conditions which animals with their undeveloped minds don't have. Uh, stress, depression, anxiety, psychosis, social, behavioral, communication problems, bipolar disorders, and God knows what else. According to the WHO, the World Health Organization, one in every eight people in the world has a mental disorder. One in every eight people. When was the last time you saw a cat suffering from the bipolar disorder? For example, my friend Jerome the Rat. He's stable. He functions perfectly well. Actually, I can hear him right now trying to eat his way through the wall. So, unlike us, he has no anxiety, no OCD, ADHD, which we have because of uh, one malfunctioning component in otherwise perfectly working system. Now, insane so. Of course, it's a bit more complex. They are contributing factors, food, chemicals, lifestyle, and so on. But to be honest, and especially for this conversation, talking about the mind, all those factors are secondary, really. Now, there are parts of the brain which are responsible for our safety. There are processes which are not controlled by our mind, and they switch on automatically when there is a threat. For example, when we are attacked by someone, our adrenal gland starts producing adrenaline. Our heart starts pumping blood, so more oxygen gets into our brain. Our reflexes become faster. Uh, unnecessary senses switch off. We got a tunnel vision and, and, and much more. So all of this has only one purpose, to reroute the necessary resources to the organs and muscles which are needed to deal with the threat. It turns us into the lean, mean fighting machine. I'll give you a good example. When I was a kid, I went fishing alone, which was stupid because it was uh, in Taiga. So I went there and I met a wild boar. I saw him, he saw me, and the next thing I remember, I was six feet up on a tree which didn't have a single branch. How? I have no idea. When I saw this thing coming at me at 60 miles an hour, my life support system took over and I flew up like a bird. Now, if my mind was responsible for my safety, I would be a goner. 
Now see, our mind is excluded from the important decision-making. And why do you think is that? Well, because it's not as important as we think. In saying so, our mind is not completely useless and oscillated. It still has ability to communicate with uh, you know, other parts of the brain. And of course, it tries to minimize the damage of this uh, flow of the data. Self-preservation, you know. What does it do? Uh, do you know how and why stereotypes are created? Our mind is trying to protect itself from overloading by simplifying everything, by getting rid of nuances, by generalizing, and instead of dealing with every single event or factor individually, it divides all information into groups. And then it applies very general labels or descriptions to those groups or sets of factors. That's it. It is a safety measure. Uh, by trying to find similarities and applying them to the groups of elements, we end up with stereotypes. Like, uh, Germans have no sense of humor. Russians are alcoholics. Romanians are thieves. Americans are fat and loud. French are rude, women cannot drive, and Arabs are terrorists. Seeing everything in black and white is a lifesaver, for most minds anyway. But if you prefer to form your own opinions, if you question everything, if you have independent thinking abilities, then you have a problem. Because if your mind starts analyzing validity of stereotypes, it will arrive at the point of a cognitive conflict. Because even though stereotypes are created in order to help our minds, they usually go against logic. Even though we say things like that, we still know that not all Russians are alcoholics. And I personally know one American who is not fat. Now, you see, when we choose to accept and act on something which we rationally know is not completely true, our mind deals with the contradicting data, creating a logical conflict which is okay for the right hemisphere because it's kind of flexible, but it is not okay for our rational mind which is working with data. It's damaging if you're trying to think for yourself. If not, you're safe then stereotypes are healthy. They can literally prevent your mind from exploding. Rations are alcoholics, and let's leave it at that. Now, I will try to answer the question about the diet for the mind. And before I start, I'll have to make another disclaimer. See, because there are exceptions to every rule, I'll have to start generalizing myself, which makes me a hypocrite, I guess. So here you go. And please don't take it personally, because it isn't. Most of us are not ready for the diet yet. I am sorry. You cannot start eating solid food if your stomach is not functioning properly. You have to heal it first. Otherwise, you won't be able to process your food normally. You'll end up with diarrhea or constipation, which is exactly how our minds react to the information feed. Now just imagine a lesson and students who are trying to listen to the teacher and learn something. And imagine that one of the students has an extreme form of ADHD. So he's completely out of control. He's running around the classroom. He's bumping into everyone, uh, crashing into the furniture, laughing hysterically, making noise, trying to get as much attention as possible, interrupting the teacher, starting fights, arguments. So he disrupts the class and no one can function properly as a result. 
This is our brain in its normal state. It is hyperactive, restless, chaotic. It needs constant stimulation and because it's not healthy it's not able to cope with the sensory overload it cannot process anything properly it gets constipated or it gets diarrhea when it gets constipated it stops responding we have a brain fog or brain freeze uh, it's called we get confused disconnected from reality uh, when we have mental diarrhea our mind starts spilling everything out randomly it makes us yep panic, argue, make chaotic decisions, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It has to be slowed down first. It has to be cleaned up, healed. It has to become calm and quiet, and only then we can talk about the diet. We are so used to junk food that we are not in a state to properly process anything we consume, diet or not diet. It will be a waste. Try to read a book. Uh, try to have a conversation with someone or look at the sky for five minutes without checking your phone every 30 seconds. Let's go back to our computer world and computer dictionary. What can you do if you have a computer full of junk, spyware, bloatware, viruses, fragmented disks, faulty hardware and corrupted software? What do you do if you want it to work properly? Clean up your hard drive and delete everything which is not important, everything which is superficial, and everything which is not absolutely necessary. Disable unnecessary background processes. The oldest practice in the world of slowing our mind down and wiping it free of thoughts, meditation. It should be done every single day. It has to be as routine as brushing your teeth. Then, there's a chance we can start thinking less and feel more. Next, install a good antivirus, a filter. So choose well what's allowed inside your mind and what's not. Be very careful about the quality of the information you're letting in. Be ruthless. Just let's be honest. 99% of everything you choose to hear and see is a worthless rubbish. It's like Eating snacks, chocolate bars, crisps, Coca-Cola non-stop. It's like gorging yourself on this stuff and you cannot stop because it's full of uh, sugar, stimulants, exactly the same way you get your information feed or your likes, uh, which are just uh, small symbols, which mean absolutely nothing. But when you receive this like or message, your brain uh, releases this little bit of a dopamine. It is an addiction. It works exactly in the same way uh, like it works when you get your Coca-Cola or chocolate bar. It's highly addictive, but it has no nutritional value. It fills you up with junk. It's poison, but you cannot stop. It is addictive. If you allow the sewage from the social media into your brain, it will corrupt your mind and result in a mental constipation or diarrhea, well, whatever you prefer. Next, use efficient power settings. You can make it work on 100% or you can be a little bit more economical. In real world, it translates into you being a little bit more careful about the intensity of your brain performance and the amount of data you let in. Using too much processing power creates a stress. Don't overload your system. Your mind, being the most unstable and vulnerable component in your brain, will go first.
Train yourself not to stress out about anything irrelevant. Try to learn how to identify what is worth your attention and what's not. If you are successful, you just might find that your mind needs very little to function well. Next, don't multitask. Remember, your processor is not an Apple M2 with 24 cores. It's a single core Intel. It wasn't built to run NASA. It can barely manage to do your mail one task at a time. Don't eat and read at the same time. Don't drive and listen to the radio at the same time. Don't combine. Choose one feed for your mind instead of putting multiple feeds at the same time and not processing any of them properly. Another thing, don't use it when you don't have to. Try to find activity when you can't possibly use your phone. Shower, for example. Get used to the fact that you can survive while disconnected from the feed. If you speak to someone, switch your phone off. Or better leave it at home. Keep it in a different room and use it only when absolutely necessary. Now, if you think this is a bad advice, look at it and see how many of the texts, mails or phone calls you answered were really important or needed. Look at your search history. How many of those pages you visited were really important for your life and what kind of information you received. Was it really necessary? And then look at the time you spent doing this. When you come to the shop, steer away from the newspaper section. But really, when was the last time they told you anything positive or anything of value? Well, uh, unless it's a magazine with a naked people. That can be positive. So break the connection and break the addiction. What else? Well, maintenance, obviously. Make sure that your physical health is okay, that you eat right and you sleep proper. Don't use your computer 24-7. Let it reset itself regularly. Remember that all healing processes, physical or mental, are happening while you sleep. So, stick your phone into your washing machine before you go to bed and make sure you sleep long and well. Let your body and mind reset and heal. And actually, that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. Sleep. Before I go, two things. First, if I didn't annoy you too much, I have one word for you. Patreon. And if you are serious about helping your mind, you can do something. Find a text which is called a serenity prayer. Print 20 copies and put them all around your house so every time we turn somewhere, you can see it on every single wall. Make it your personal prayer and make it the most important rule in your life from now on. I don't remember who wrote it, but I can tell you that there is more wisdom in those three or four phrases than in all modern books on philosophy, well-being and spirituality put together. Just remember, a serenity prayer show. Thank you for listening. Be well, be happy, stay sane, God bless, and go to sleep. Good night.